Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Weight Loss Podcast with Human Design. I'm your host, John Donahue, and as always, the aim of the podcast is to give you bite-sized tips, strategies, and insights to master the game of healthy weight loss without losing your mind in the process. I'm back this week with another podcast um, talking about something called the Fat Loss Pyramid. Um, I got this from a book by a guy called Lane Norton. Um, and it's funny because years ago I wrote a little ebook called The Fat Loss Pyramid. And it's kind of like the hierarchy of things to do in order to achieve sustainable weight loss. And I was just reading a lecture the other day or listening to a lecture. And this came up and I thought this would be a good idea for a podcast. So a bit of karma there. But, you know, Lane, Lane Norton is very popular on social media. But, you know, he's not just one of your influencers who doesn't back it up. You know, he is a PhD a bachelor of science in biochemistry and a phd in nutritional sciences and he, you know he's he's been mentored by some of the foremost experts on protein metabolism and fat loss he's also a powerlifter bodybuilder natural bodybuilder founder of BioLane. so he, you know he's his goal is really to kind of provide ethical science-based coaching that, that kind of blends real world experience with evidence-based protocols so you know he's one of the guys i probably trust out there whether you like him or not if you know him i'm sorry but i i think he's Got a lot of good um, science-backed information. He doesn't say controversial things. He refutes a lot of the nonsense that's out there. So like, it's one of the people I would trust in the world of fitness, fat loss, and nutrition. And so in this podcast, so if you're someone who has fat loss goals or you're looking to optimize your body composition, which means your ratio of muscle to fat, it's important to know where you should invest your energy to get the best results uh, with the least amount of effort. And that's what I try to do for clients. What can I implement to give them the best possible results with the least amount of effort. That doesn't mean just slacking off. And, you know, it means applying the three or four principles that people can do without, you know, going into too much detail. So first of all, he talks in the book, this, this fat loss pyramid is adapted from a guy called Eric Helms, um, who had another pyramid for training and nutrition. So, Basically, they're saying that not all interventions are created equal for fat loss. Some things are essential for fat loss, while others are completely optional, and some converge on counterproductive in some cases. For example, people get caught up on acai bowls or turmeric or cumin or the latest spice, and you know they can't even get a calorie deficit, or they're doing ice baths or journaling or affirmations, and they're not getting out and exercising. You know, there's things that people focus on that are kind of the wrong end of the pyramid. So. A lot of people get stuck on some of the most useless and silly interventions out there, right? So when you get stuck on something that doesn't work, you can kiss your chances of making progress goodbye. So how do we avoid kind of, what's the American saying, um, a majoring in the minors and getting stuck in useless interventions? Well, learn what works and do it in a way that's supported and reinforced by your behaviors and lifestyle. And that's kind of what I do in my fit habits coaching. I know what works. I've distilled it into the best principles and kind of get my clients to apply to those principles. So we're going to go over some of those principles today, and we're going to look at the fat loss uh, forever pyramid, so you can see what I mean. So like any pyramid, the fat loss forever pyramid starts with a wide, strong base, and then it goes up tips, goes up a number of layers and, and, and points to a tip at the top, just like a normal pyramid. You might have seen a similar one like uh, called the food pyramid that exists on most countries' dietary guidelines where you start with the vegetables and fruit at the bottom, then your meats, then your carbohydrates, then your sweets and all that stuff at the top. So you eat the least amount of sweets and you eat most fruit and veg. So the pyramid's like that. But in the first layer of the pyramid, the most important layer is sustainability and adherence. And the thinking behind this is really straightforward. If you implement the best possible set of, say, 
plans for fat loss, what will your results be if you don't stick to them? You know, what if you can stick to it for a short time, but that adherence isn't sustainable? Well, you're not going to get results either way. The results won't come or they won't stay. And I see this all the time with six, eight, and 12-week challenges, which are great, but they do implement a lot of things that clients cannot stick to. So there's ways you can do challenges. That'll be another podcast, by the way, where you can actually stick to things. But either way, if you can't sustain it, you can't do it, you've achieved nothing meaningful. And then this these things can reinforce negative behaviors and that can then put the brakes on future efforts to lose weight. You know, Lane Norton often talks about how humans are pattern-based learning machines. He said, we're very empirical. That means we use information about what's happened in the past to decide what's going to happen in the future. So let's, for, let's say, for example, I put an overweight client on a super aggressive calorie deficit with an overly restrictive set of food choices. Then when that client fails, I'll be adding to that set of empirical data that dieting doesn't work or that for whatever reason, they can't lose weight. And then the next time that client's ready to make a change, they'll remember what happened when they work with me. And they're not, they're likely not to recognize the reason they failed was because of my stupid plan. They're just going to think they remember, they're going to remember that they tried and failed. So what good is trying again? I don't want that to happen. So it's kind of important for me as a coach not to reinforce this kind of negative thinking. And the easiest way to avoid that is to build a plan around what you can actually stick to or what my client can actually stick to over the long term. And so many people miss this. Um, you know, the best laid out plans mean absolutely nothing if someone can stick to it. If you you can read all your wellness magazines and follow your favorite influencers, but if you can't stick to the plan, there's no point in doing it. So what what's the what's the what's the quote again? A perfect plan is useless if you can't stick to it. An imperfect plan that you can do consistently is better than a perfect plan you do inconsistently. I think that's the quote. I hope it's not wrong. So that's the first level of the pyramid. That's the most important. And the next level of the fat loss pyramid is establishing a calorie deficit. You know, there's only one way to reduce body mass. You have to create a negative energy balance so that your body mass is used to make up the difference between the calories burned and the calories you eat. It doesn't matter what you do. If you don't create this calorie deficit, you simply won't lose weight, never mind body fat. People will tell you it's hormones. People will tell you it's sleep. People will tell you it's artificial sweeteners. And at the end of the day, the energy balance equation takes all those things into account. You know, But here's the thing. There's more than one way to create a negative energy balance and lose weight. But you can reduce calorie intake and you can reduce energy expenditure as well. But this is why exercise is the next layer of the pyramid given given the um, importance of negative energy balance. So the first layer was your uh, sustainability and adherence. The second layer was your calorie deficit. And your third layer of the fat loss pyramid is exercise. So when it comes to fat loss, we want to ensure we're doing everything in our power to maintain this negative energy balance. And, you know, this can be done with dieting alone in most cases, but sometimes dieting alone is, is really unpleasant and unsustainable for people. So I love to include exercise in a fat loss program. You could lose weight and keep it off without exercise, but in terms of health and, and improvements and so many other factors in your life, exercise is really important. So, you know, we need to modify both our calorie intake and our energy output to maximize our control of this whole energy balance. So exercise is really important for burning calories, but the research looking at long-term weight maintenance after uh, initial weight loss shows that people who exercise actually have a much greater chance of maintaining lost weight compared to people who don't. And, you know, of the people who maintain a lot of weight loss after several years after the initial weight loss, over 70% of them perform some sort of regular exercise. And this has been proven in follow-up studies. 
where researchers asked people what they were doing to maintain weight loss. And one of the four top characteristics was, was exercise. You know, of the people who don't maintain their weight loss over several years, less than 30% of them include regular exercise as part of the program. So some people will say that exercise is not good, not a good weight loss tool because it doesn't produce a ton of calories burned. And they're, they're right to some extent, but it does appear to be really important for weight loss maintenance in the post-dietary period and can be useful during the diet period as well. I talked, I talked about this a little more in episode 16, is cardio better than diet for weight loss, where it kind of compares the two. You can absolutely lose weight with exercise alone, but a lot of people struggle because they overestimate the calories burned and then they usually eat back the calories. So they do this through uh, subconscious compensatory mechanisms where they just keep, they just get hungry and eat and they don't even realize. You know, some studies have shown that sedentary people actually tend to eat more calories than active people. And whatever the reason is behind that, you know, it just proves that exercise not only works on the weight loss maintenance phase uh, on the energy burden side, but it also works on appetite control as well, which is an important factor for keeping your weight off. Now, of course, you can overdo exercise. If you exercise tons, eventually your hunger will go up. And there's so there's limits to this, but it does seem like a, a modest amount of exercise is definitely a good thing for weight loss and weight loss maintenance. So the next layer of the pyramid is self-monitoring. So there's a lot of data that people who track their progress are more likely to succeed with long-term weight loss. And again, this comes out with a study where the National Institute of Health tracked thousands of people who kept weight off for more than three years. And again, one of the four factors was self-monitoring. So if you look at the long-term weight loss maintenance studies, you see that people who weigh in daily are more likely to keep the weight off. Now, this could cause all sorts of arguments. And I've, you know, this is very specific from client to client. Some people will not even touch the scale, but even though if I educate them and talk to them about fluctuations and why it's important to see trends and not just random data, some people just still won't do it. And you might be one of those people, but don't be one of those people who thinks they have to ditch the scales just because of what some influencer said. The scales are a tool that you can use in your toolbox, toolbox to monitor your change and progress. So it's very important to weigh yourself, I think, daily, because if somebody's not monitoring their weight and things start to get away from them, they don't really have that negative feedback. They start correcting their behavior. Whereas if you're monitoring your weight regularly and you see it starting to go up, you're more likely to modify your behavior based on that negative feedback regulation. So I talk more about this on episode 15, I think it is, Should You Ditch the Weight Scales? It's a good episode to listen to. It gives some reasoning as to why you should or shouldn't use them. And another advantage of instilling the practice of self-monitoring in my clients is that because I can't be with a client 24-7. It's not like a PT session in the gym. You know, if my client's form slips or they start to cheat a rep, I can see that. I can fix it. But what about when they're visiting the fridge at 11 o'clock at night? You know, I'm at home, they're facing temptation. I have to give my client tools to manage their own triggers and monitor their own compliance to the plan. And I can then increase my ability to coach them. So the next two levels of the fat loss pyramid relate to what's called macronutrients. So your macronutrients are protein, carbs, and fats. So the most important macros for weight loss is probably protein, but we need to understand how the body treats a diet first. Losing weight is perceived by the human body as a threat. So we've evolved to resist weight loss because if you lose too much weight, you basically die of starvation. So the body has mechanisms in place to reduce energy burning in response to a calorie deficit so that we don't starve to death. So when you reduce your calorie intake, your body reduces its energy use because it's a natural evolutionary mechanism, the safety mechanism to prevent you from starving and losing muscle and not being able to hunt or, 
you know, so it's, this is millions of years of evolution. This is why your body works so hard to adapt to changes in calorie intake to reach what's called homeostasis or balance. The body doesn't like you being in the calorie deficit. It'll do everything in its power to fight you. It'll reduce your metabolic rate. You'll get a reduction in NEAT. So NEAT is like your fidgeting, your movement that's outside of exercise. You will, you will sit down more than you realize, and it's quite often it's subconscious. Your energy for training will decrease. Your cravings will increase. And in periods of dieting, the body has a big incentive to shed muscle. And muscle is metabolically expensive tissue. Gram per gram, it takes more energy to sustain muscle than it does fat. So fortunately, there's a few interventions you can apply to reduce this loss of lean tissue. And that's why protein is at the next level of the pyramid. So as a rule of thumb, the greater your calorie deficit, the higher your proteins protein needs might be. So just be aware that protein is really, really important when you're in a calorie deficit. But you know, protein isn't all that you're concerned about while you're in a calorie deficit. You also have fullness or satiety to deal with. Remember, like I said earlier, the body will fight us while it's in a deficit. And one of its defense mechanisms is hunger. That's why we have to prioritize fiber at this level of the hierarchy, because if we take in enough fiber, we can contribute to an overall sense of fullness. And that helps counteract the hunger our bodies will throw at us. So for example, I have an online female client at the minute who's lost eight kilos and we're trying to get the last two kilos. But So her calories are quite low now. This is her goal. It's not me forcing it. And she's even struggling to eat 1,300 calories a day because the food's so healthy. It's keeping her full. It's all protein. It's uh, sweet potatoes, veg, all healthy food. But you'd be surprised what can fill you up. That's why processed foods make it really difficult to lose weight because a, they're high in calories, but B, they don't fill you up, so you're hungry soon after. So that's why fiber is really, really important for that feeling of fullness. So the next level of the pyramid covers the other two primary macronutrients, and that's fats and carbs. And because there are primary energy sources, they're important to get right, because if we don't have enough energy to fuel our bodies, our workouts suffer, and then we put fat loss at risk. And then the last level of the hierarchy is supplements. So these are by far probably the most optional. I mean, I don't take any supplements at all, um, but I'm not against people taking it. But a lot of people spend too much time here and they get sold fat burners and protein shakes and uh, pre-workout uh, drinks when they really don't need them. They need to go down the pyramid to the most important uh, base levels at the start and get them right first. So, you know, that's the fat loss pyramid. So the levels are at the bottom, sustainability and adherence, calorie deficit, exercise, self-monitoring, protein and fiber, carbs and fat, and then supplements. So it's kind of like seven layers there. So it, like I mentioned earlier, the fat loss pyramid starts with the most important and foundational interventions to the least. It kind of moves up from most important at the bottom to the least important at the top. So there's a few other things I should probably mention about this pyramid that Lane Norton talks about in his book. He says that most people make the mistake and focus on the things at the top of the pyramid, which is wrong. You've got to think about what's supporting it. If it's not for all the levels beneath the level above, supplements couldn't be there. If it's not for the base of the pyramid, it wouldn't stand much, just like the foundation of a house. And that's an important feature of, way, of the way the pyramid is actually organized. You know, your supplement strategy is absolutely useless if you don't have a macronutrient strategy. Your macros are pointless if you, if, if you can't monitor them. What you eat and drink, and how you track it is pointless if you don't get into a calorie deficit and the whole thing comes tumbling down. So if you have a plan that isn't sustainable as well, then you're not going to get results. So you can see how the bottom layers are most importantly. You know, it's crucial 
that the interventions higher up the pyramid don't derail the more foundational interventions. So here, here's, for example, here's one example. If your protein, fiber, and carbs and fat add up to more than your target intake for a calorie deficit, you're letting a lower priority of the pyramid, namely your macronutrient allocation, override a higher priority one, which is establishing a calorie deficit. Each layer as you've got the pyramid establishes the foundation for the next two layers, and each subsequent layer must be compatible with the ones below it. And another characteristic of the Fat Loss Forever Pyramid he talks about is the focus on incorporating nutritional interventions in, in our behaviors and lifestyles. You know, he said that if you think of kind of each layer as a building block contributing to the strength of the next level, you can think of behavior and lifestyle like a mortar holding them all together. So hopefully you'll plan interventions that fit seamlessly into your existing behaviors and lifestyle, and then your chances of sticking to it go through the roof. And I'll give you an example. If my client already uses a particular app to track their food and they're happy and successful, why would I try and get them to use one that I like? You know, by making their self-monitor and fit into what they can already do, I can then potentially eliminate any friction that might trip them up. So I have to take my client's existing behaviors and lifestyle into account, which means I can then cater my fatless approach to them as an individual. So, you know, I might have a favorite method like I like to use with clients. For example, I love habits. I love stacking habits on top of each other, and I do that with my fit habits. But I have to consider it from a client's perspective. If, if their behavior and lifestyle are incompatible with my preferred intervention, you know, do you really think they're going to stick to the plan? Probably not. Do you think they're going to eat tons of protein just because that's what I like? Do you think they're going to learn to swim or run to burn calories for cardio? If they hate swimming and running, you know, are they going to change their work and family schedules just to get to the gym at 6 a.m.? Like, uh, I might like to do no that's not going to happen as a coach it's my job to figure out what's going to get them the goal and then like the goal that they want to achieve i'm not the one doing the fat loss it's you or it's a client they're the one paying me their hard-earned money and it is a cliche but everyone is different especially when it comes to personal preference it's important to remember as a coach that also people come with what, what's called limited a limited willpower budget you know, if I'm working with a fat loss client, ideally, or it's likely that they probably lack the ability to lose fat on their own, or or they just feel like they need some kind of monitoring or some someone to keep them accountable. And if they've asked for my help, I have to recognize that the reason they're asking for help is probably because of this willpower limitation. You know, if they had infinite amounts of willpower, they probably wouldn't be seeking my help out. And so if I, I have to remember this as I'm determining what interventions to implement with the client. So I won't give them things they won't be able to do. I don't make them turn their life upside down just to comply. I don't make them give up things they love just to lose some fat. And that's what happens on the internet. These influencers will say, I'm a keto person, I'm a vegan, I'm a, I'm a carnivore. And they will make you adapt to their lifestyle rather than them putting together a plan that will actually help you. The best coaches learn how to weave different fat loss interventions into their clients' lives seamlessly. So it almost seems like magic. You know, it shouldn't feel like too much effort. This, you know, the greatest... A compliment I've ever had from a client was, I can't believe how simple you've made this process. And, and that's kind of what I want to do for clients. So fat loss is hard enough. And, you know, it's not like I said earlier, we all have unlimited willpower. Um, you know, and you don't have uh, what Lane Norton calls buckets of willpower. Like you don't have a, a willpower for your job and willpower for your kids and willpower for your spouse and your dad. You know, it all comes from the same bucket. So if we as coaches put an intervention that requires a huge amount of willpower, then it's more likely going to fail. So I want to find what the client's 
what the minimum amount of will, willpower will be for that particular client and understand that the interventions that each client is going to prefer is going to be different and then what's going to be minimum willpower for one person might be a maximum for another so that's the fat loss forever pyramid i just want to explain that if you're thinking of an image in your head think of the pyramids of egypt the bottom of the base is most important it's sustainability and adherence to the plan then the next level is creating a calorie deficit then it's exercise then it's self-monitoring then it's protein and fiber to help you feel full and prevent muscle loss then it's carbs and fats to provide energy and then it's supplements which are kind of like the last thing you should be concerned with so i hope that made sense um i thought it was a great uh, analogy for the most important things that are needed for fat loss so thanks very much if you took time out of your day to listen um if you want i've got an image of this fat loss pyramid just email me john humandesign.com.au and i'll send it to you and um yeah i hope you got a lot from this and i'll be back soon with another podcast have a great day